welcome to episode four of Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Lacrosse. We're going to have an abbreviated show for you this time around, and we promise this actually is going to be abbreviated, unlike the last time we said this. Not a lot to talk about right here in one of the darkest, most boring times of the off season, but we're going to try our best here and uh, share a few things with you. We got another edition of Packers What If to talk about today, and we'll touch on some of the things going around. A uh, big story right now, as far as NFL fans are concerned, is probably the top 100 players list that's being revealed uh, incrementally on NFL Network. So we'll touch on that briefly as well. So with that, we'll uh, send her out to Lacrosse, and we'll talk to Matt McLean, who's actually going to be coming over into my part of the state, what used to be his part of the state, in a couple weeks. Are you pumped for that, Matt? Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a, an in-person radio sh- or a podcast. Face-to-face? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do that. We'll see. I guess let's start off here, what we just mentioned about the top 100 players of 2012. Obviously, the top 20 are yet to be revealed. It looks like it's going to be Wednesday. They're going to uh, release another list. I don't know if it's going to be all 20 or just the next 10. But certainly a lot of Packers on this list so far, and probably only one Packer left to be seen. Uh, I guess, Matt, you had a chance to look over the list a little bit. Uh, is there anything that sticks out to you uh, right off the bat? Well, I th- the first night, we were just kind of talking about this a little bit. The first night they revealed him, and it shows that uh, John Kuhn was voted at number 92, which was just absolutely <laughs> shocking to me. Um, just If you just look at the other players that are ranked around him there, he's only one spot ahead of Tony Romo, and he's ahead of Cortland Finnegan, Marshawn Lynch, uh, Willis McGahee, Chris Johnson. It's and this is voted on by the players, too, which is, it's like, do you really game plan more for John Kuhn than you would if you're playing against Marshawn Lynch? Or do you really have, you know, is he really that big of a threat that you you would give him this much respect to put him in the top 100? Yeah, that has to be, uh, I, I really like John Kuhn. I think he's a, he's a really good utility guy. There's a lot of different things he can do. But to be quite honest with you, he doesn't do any one thing that particularly well. Um, I mean, he doesn't do anything poorly, but he, he's not outstanding at any one particular thing. I think people know him because he kind of has become representative of the, the Packer fans, and they'll pick somebody who's not necessarily a huge superstar and cheer for him. It's kind of more of his notoriety is more kind of the fans' notoriety for getting behind every player on the team, I think. Uh, yeah, to, to put him in the same company as a guy like Tony Romo, or, uh, I mean, Hakeem Nix is uh, two spots ahead of him, uh, Dwight Freeney at 89, uh, I mean... Uh, it has to be on name value alone, you would think. I like Kuhn. I think he's the best fullback they've had uh, since William Henderson left. But uh, that's not exactly saying a whole heck of a lot when it comes to talking about elite NFL players. Yeah, and I, I think if he had any other last name, probably that wasn't fun to chant. I don't think he probably would be on the top 100 list. I you don't think, think John Davis is number 92? No, I don't think so. I mean, I thought Corey Hall was pretty comparable to John Kuhn when he was here. And just Kuhn's the one that stuck. It seemed like because he was the popular guy with the fans. and Yeah, I, 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 yeah Corey Hall, I kind of forgot about him, too. They're, they're both definitely probably better than uh, Quinn Johnson. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He, he was the worst. Yeah. Well, some other Packers also made the list. Um, Jordy Nelson came in at number 80, which I thought was kind of interesting. Any thoughts about that one, Matt? I Well, I would definitely say that's well-deserved. I mean, with what he showed last year, he was consistently one of the best receivers that you know in the NFC he was putting up numbers that probably should have got him in the Pro Bowl mm-hmm. um, I think looking at the other guys around him maybe he's a little high he's ahead of Hakeem Nix who you mentioned before um, he's ahead of Darren Sproles 
Um, which again, like I kind of think of this as with the players voting, is they're kind of voting on who they feel is the most dangerous, who they have to game plan most for. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I would put him behind those guys, but I think he definitely deserves to be on the list. Maybe just not quite as high as where he is. Yeah, I, I, I'm really torn on this one. I guess I always kind of miss the point of the list. I know it's it's voted on by players and whatnot. Um, so I can understand their the memory is a little short when they're going through this voting process. Uh, it just He's one of those guys where Jordy Nelson obviously was phenomenal last year. He might have been their best offensive weapon outside of Aaron Rodgers, which on a team like the Packers is saying quite a bit. But he also really, up until the 2010 playoffs, including the 2010 regular season, he really didn't do much of note at all other than be a, you know, a pretty solid third or fourth wide receiver. Honestly, fourth wide receiver for, for most of his tenure. Uh, so... I think, obviously, he has the most potential out of maybe anybody on the Packers team, but I, I just, as far as putting him in the elite company of the NFL this quickly after, uh, you know, maybe one breakout year, it's just, I'm a little uncomfortable with that, but I certainly can see why players, and he's 80, it's not like he's in the top 20 or anything. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with everything you said. It, it's been, it really only kind of came on in the postseason the year we won the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. so it, it's been kind of a short... A short, a small sample size. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, what he did last year was incredible, and if he keeps it up, he'll probably keep moving up the list. But yeah, right now, I think maybe a little bit high for him. Well, I just checked his numbers real quick before we move on, and uh, I knew he was good last year, but holy smokes, I didn't. <laughs> 68 catches for uh, 12, 63, 15 touchdowns. Which yeah, the touchdown number is huge. And he's got a ni- he had a 93 yard touchdown catch. So, uh, I guess. I forgot he was quite that prolific <laughs> last year. Uh, but, yeah, definitely pretty impressive. Uh, some other guys in his company, I guess, to give you kind of a perspective a little bit. Um, Nandi Asamoa, Derek Johnson, uh, A.J. Green, actually ahead of Jordy Nelson. Uh, lineman for the Saints, Carl Nix, uh, Jonathan Joseph. Joe Flacco is 64. Wait a second. 74, yeah. 74, sorry. But, yeah, you know me, you know how I feel. I'm sure everybody who's listening who knows me knows that I can't stand Joe Flacco. And, oh, boy. And pretty, pretty high for him. He's ahead of Romo, which is kind of surprising to me. I I would take Romo in a heartbeat over... Oh, not even Joe, close. Joe Flacco. Ugh, yeah, and, well, Vic is a few spots ahead of him as well. Um, yeah, between the next... Uh, there's a, a, quite a number of spots between Jordy Nelson and the next Packer, and you have some... Uh, Philip Rivers is 61. Uh, Darren McFadden is 60. Uh, Jonathan Vilma is 58, which I don't he probably won't be there next year, I would imagine. No. Uh, Trent Cole in there, and then number 56 is uh, Packers wide receiver Greg Jennings. Uh, I named a few of the names that are behind him. A couple ahead of him, we got uh, Patrick Peterson from the Cardinals, which I, I guess I don't know a whole ton a lot about them. I didn't watch a lot of Cardinals last year. Um, Brian Cushing. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, Vaughn Miller, and then 51 is Brian Erlacher. So how do you feel about Jennings' ranking there? I feel like that's about right. Uh, I think last year he was in the 70s, and, and everybody kind of made a big deal about it, that he was way too high, or I guess too low. Too low yeah. um, so I, I think this is about right for him. Um, I, I, can, I know Patrick Peterson's only been in the league a year, but I think just how dangerous he can be. He had a lot of punt return touchdowns last year, was a shutdown guy. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I can see that, even though it's only been a year. I, I think this is is right. He's behind Mike Wallace, which I would agree with at this point, I guess, um, but ahead of guys like Roddy White and and uh, Jordy and Deshaun Jackson. I feel like that's this is pretty right for Greg Jennings this year. 
Yeah, I guess a lot of these rankings, uh, I, I like how you broke it down there. You kind of have to take it with a grain of salt a little bit and maybe more uh, focus on the positions and see where they are positionally, which, uh, having said that, Devin Hester is ahead of Greg yeah, Jennings. I was just going to say it's a joke that Devin Hester is ahead of any of those guys like Deshaun Jackson or Greg Jennings at this point. But Yeah, I, I would assume most of that value is attributed to his special teams play. Uh, Greg Jennings, by the way, was 74 last year, so you were right. All right, moving on into the 40s real quick. Uh, some interesting ones here. Uh, like we mentioned, Devin Hester, one spot behind Mike Wallace. Peyton Manning still co- clocking in at number 50. Uh, that's obviously on reputation as he didn't put on a uniform at all last year. Uh, some other guys in there. Vonta Leach, it's always kind of funny to see him up in there because I still can't shake Packers' Vonta Leach, even though I know he's been pretty good for, what, five, six, seven years now. Yeah. Um, Jason Babin, Vernon Davis, uh, Jason Peters, and then uh, Matthew Stafford at number 41. Uh, going now into the 30s, we have uh, well Cam Newton at number 40, Victor Cruz at 39. Uh, 38 and Dominican Sue, Jackson 37, uh, Chuck Woodson cl- clocking in at 36, Steve Smith at 35, Tom Bali 34, Forte, Matt Forte at 33, Jahari Evans, which is a lineman, hard to grade them, I guess, unless you're uh, John Madden or something, and then 31 is Eli Manning. So what do you think about that group there, especially uh, considering Charles Woodson? Yeah, it's, it's about right. Uh, he was way higher last year, and at or the year before, and it, it he dropped off a little What's bit last year. Last year, yeah. Yeah, he, so he drops down 20 spots. I feel like that's about right. I, don't, I just have the, the memory of the Giants game stuck in my head, I guess. I know he wasn't quite as explosive during the regular season either, but I just keep picturing him missing tackles, which it seems like he never did before in, mm-hmm. in, in that playoff game. I, I, I don't want to judge him yet because he's one of my favorite players ever. You know, I don't want to judge him yet and say he's done for or can't do it anymore. It, it's possible it was, last year was an anomaly, but yeah. it he definitely dropped off a little bit last year. This is probably about right for him. Well, he still co-led the league in interceptions last year. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like you said, I think he he was very hit or miss last year as opposed to his other years here in Green Bay where there just would be games where it just seemed like he was so confused or he wasn't communicating properly with his teammates. The thing that I noticed more last year than – and I've always noticed it with Charles Woodson. It's one of the things you kind of accept with his style of play, but – uh, I particularly remember the Chargers game, just him holding and then yeah. getting going crazy at the referees. I just remember sitting there talking to the television, being like, dude, you know the rules. And that kind of stuff, I don't know if that's a sign where maybe he's slowing down or if it was desperation because the defense was giving up so many points. But that seemed to be, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that seemed to be much more noticeable last year than previous years. Yeah, and I think you're probably right. It probably has a lot to do with him slowing down and still not wanting to get beat, which is kind of what we talked about, I believe, in the first episode about him moving to safety, and I mm-hmm. I still kind of hope that's the path they take this season. I don't know if they're quite ready to do it yet, but I I, I just feel like he's going to be a lot more effective there. He doesn't have to cover, you know, man on some of these really fast receivers out there when he's kind of slowing down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there'll be some games where, I don't know if he'll go there full time, but I think they'll definitely play with it. So maybe we'll see him all over the place this year. Uh, any other uh, comments about that group there? Obviously, Eli Manning at 31 might seem a little far back, but, you know, uh, our feelings about him. Uh, Victor Cruz, I know, uh, I kind of made a sort of an emphasis on him a little bit. Uh, he's another kind of Jordy Nelson guy where he was really good last year, but uh, we don't have a huge sample with him either. Yeah, but his season last year was huge, too. Yeah. I'm sure it was 
it, it was a great season, and to show up the way in the Super Bowl he did, I, I guess I can't argue too much with that. It is pretty high for one really good season, but yeah, and Eli I feel is a little low. Some of the guys ahead of him, I feel like there's no way like I would take Frank Gore ahead of Eli or mm-hmm. or Clay Matthews probably even honestly, but but I he's so inconsistent during the regular season, and he really only has two good playoff runs, and mm-hmm. and other than that, when we when we play the Giants normally, I don't feel too you know, worried about stopping Eli. No. I I remember the game we went to um, the Super Bowl season when they came to Lambeau and Eli was just chucking up interceptions left and right in a big game. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it seems like we see a little bit more of that than, than big game Eli, which has led him to two Super Bowls. So it kind of inconsistent, but maybe maybe should be a little higher, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah, he's the ultimate Jekyll Hyde quarterback maybe in NFL history. Uh, it's really hard to... Trying to rate him once he's done with his career amongst all-time great quarterbacks is going to be almost impossible. Like, there's going to be wildly fluctuating rankings for him, uh, probably dependent uh, a lot on what part of the country you live in, I would imagine. Yeah, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, he may should be two Super Bowls, but uh, I don't know who you compare him to. Really, I can't. Re- <laughs> I can't really think of any. He's like a like a poor man's Brett Favre almost. Yeah, I mean, you can't even compare him to Jim Plunkett or anything like that. The other guy who won two Super Bowls kind of from out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, Eli's better than he was. Uh, and poor man's Brett Favre, honestly, I think is a little fair, unfair to Brett Favre. Because when Brett Favre was good, his great was way better than Eli Manning's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, Victor Cruz, I apologize, 82 uh, catches, 1,536 yards last year. So, um, my bad. Uh, and then the last list we have revealed here is 21 through 30. We have, uh, I'll go through all of them real quick. Uh, we have Ben Roethlisberger at 30, James Harrison at 29, Frank Gore at 28, which seems way too high for my yeah, liking. Uh, Clay Matthews at 27, which we'll talk about. Uh, 26, Julius Peppers. 25, Arian Foster. Jason Pierre-Paul at 24. Uh, at 23, Wes Welker. At 22, Ray Rice. And 21, Rob Gronkowski. A lot of those alliterative names were difficult for me to say there. Uh, Matt, do you have any comments on that? Obviously, Clay Matthews at 27 is the big one. Uh, let me pull up my uh, list from last year real quick to see where he was. Clay Matthews last year. 19 or something like that? Uh, 19, yes. Okay. Yeah, I I think the reaction you made when you said Frank Gore, I, I definitely agree with. I'm, I'm really shocked by that one. I For the guys he's ahead of, you really take him ahead of Matt Forte, you know, Ray Rice, and some of these other guys at, at it kind of seems he's like he's on the downswing of his career, but mm-hmm. I know the Niners had a great season and he had a lot to do with it. So, um, and in, other than that, I, Jason Pierre-Paul, we've kind of been talking about some of these guys with one really great year. He's the definition of that, and he's Definitely. probably about the highest ranked one of those guys we're going to see, I would think. Yeah. Um, at 24, and I guess he deserved it. I mean, he he led the charge to their Super Bowl win. Yeah, um, he had a heck of a season, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not comfortable really with him, uh, but. See, him with, with Clay Matthews, I, I guess I don't really know. Clay Matthews has done it uh, a little longer than Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, Julius Peppers, I think, he's still an elite player, but I think that might be part of his age. Otherwise, you know, when Julius Peppers is good, he's probably, you know, the best pass rusher in football. Uh, Clay Matthews is another guy that I know he's on our team. Last year, 19, I thought was a little ridiculous. I thought it was too high, personally. Uh, maybe it's because we see him so much, so we get to see the ebbs and flows of his season more so than we do for guys like Pierre Paul and guys like Julius Peppers. But I, 
I think Clay Matthews is phenomenal. I think he's the best player on our defense. I don't think he's worthy of the reputation he has quite yet. Yeah, and I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I have to make that argument a lot of times to other Packer fans. I see that it, he's got the big name. He's one of the biggest name guys on the team. And, mm-hmm. like, we see him every week playing. It's just sometimes inconsistent. Um, it just seems like we – it's probably because we were spoiled and we saw what he can do and – you know, for him not, he's not able to do that all the time, obviously. It can get a little frustrating when all he does is rush the passer and it, it just seems like it can be kind of ineffective, but mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with who's opposite him on the other side of the linebacking core as well. Yeah, I but, think that's a big thing. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just, uh, with last year too, when you kind of had a revolving door of people opposite him, 2010 was the same way, but for whatever reason they got production out of that revolving door. Mm-hmm. He was able to be a force against the run. Even in 2010, though, I know he had 13 and a half sacks, and people thought it was a travesty that he got ripped off, that he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year. You certainly could make an argument that he could have won it, but I don't think it was hands down that he was better than Paul Amalu. And quite frankly, Clay Matthews had 15 or 13 and a half sacks. He got six of them in two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree completely with you there. I, I feel like he is great. He's one of the best linebackers in the league, but I feel like the name he's got maybe around the league for people who don't see him as much, and even with some Packer fans that maybe you know don't watch as closely as we might, he has this huge name. He's basically already a legend. I, I think he's great, and I wouldn't give him up, but I, I feel like he's maybe a slightly overrated, and I mean that with all, all respect possible. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that there. Okay, so I guess we have 20 spots left. I guess the big question for everybody, especially Packer fans, is where is Aaron Rodgers going to be? So do you think he's going to be top five? Last year he was in the teens, I believe. Yep, I I think 11. 11, yep, so uh, just outside the top 10. I would think this year, obviously, he'll be in the top 10, but do you think he's going to be top 10, top 5, or do you think he's not on the list? I I think he's... He's gonna be top five. Mm-hmm. He's obviously not gonna, you know, not make the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's I'd, he's got to be top three, I would think. I I can see maybe the players voting Brady and Breeze ahead of him, possibly. Yeah. Personally, I feel like he should be one, and I feel like there's probably a pretty good chance he is. But mm-hmm. uh, you never know. Brady always seems to get voted really high in these things. He was probably one last year, if I remember right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't be too surprised if that happened again, but he's definitely not going to be outside the top ten this year. Yeah, here are some of the guys that they have uh, that have yet to be named. Uh, Demarcus Ware has not been named yet. I'm just looking last year's list exclusively here. Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, Drew Brees, uh, Darrell Rivas, uh, Andre Johnson, Troy Polamalu, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, which was four last year, which, gosh, Clay Matthews times ten right now with Ray Lewis at this stage of his career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adrian Peterson has not been named yet either. I think Rodgers should be uh, no less than number two, in my opinion. Uh, if he loses to Brady, I can understand. If he loses to Drew Brees, I vehemently disagree. And so that's, I guess, our quick and dirty review of the available list of the top 100. Hopefully we can revisit this later once we have the remaining part of the list. Uh, with that, we're going to take a brief break here, and then we're going to do Packers What If. And we have a very exciting topic uh, this week. What if... The Green Bay Packers had hired Bill Parcells in 1992. So stay with us. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers had won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. 
with the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Oh, uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if? And with that, we've begun another What If segment. This is What If number four, and we actually get to talk about something that's referenced in our intro there. What if Bill Parcells had been hired to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers in 1992? And with a little bit of history on that before we begin our debate, here is the backstory. On November 20th, 1991, Packers President Bob Harlan had finally seen enough losing. He fired Executive Vice President of Football Operations and General Manager Tom Bratz, who had been in charge of the Packers since 1987. One week later, Bob Harlan entrusted the on-field product of the Green Bay Packers to one man, Ron Wolf. Wolf was given total authority to conduct football operations, and his first major move was to fire head coach Lindy Infante after another 4-12 campaign. Though showing occasional glimpses of promise, Infante's Packers only went 24-40 and 40 in his four seasons. Ron Wolf wanted to find his guy to run the team. There were many high-profile assistants, former head coaches, and college coaches that were looking to fill the eight head coaching vacancies available after the 1991 season, but Ron Wolf had one man at the top of his list, former New York Giants Super Bowl winning coach Bill Parcells. Parcells was the head coach of the New York Giants from 1983 to 1990. In that time frame, his Giants made five playoff appearances, won three division championships, and won Super Bowls after the 1986 and 1990 seasons. Parcells would retire after the Giants' Super Bowl 25 victory and spent the 1991 season as a commentator for NBC. As the season came to a close, rumors started swirling that Parcells might be interested in returning to coaching, and the Packers had him at the top of their list. They weren't the only team calling, however. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers also aggressively pursued Parcells. There were reports nearly every day that he had signed with either the Bucks or the Packers, all of which were always denied by the Parcells camp. Eventually, both teams were tired of the nearly three-week drama, and both dropped their consideration. Days later, the Packers came to terms with their second choice, San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator Mike Holmgren. The rest, they say, is history. But what if Bill Parcells had accepted the job? How do the Packers fare with Parcells at the helm? Where does Mike Holmgren end up? And what does this change do to the landscape of the NFL in the 1990s? What if the Green Bay Packers had hired Bill Parcells in 1992? All right, and there's a lot to take in there, but there's the backstory to the Bill Parcells-Packers drama that played itself out in late 91, early 92. Uh, Matt, would you like to give your opinions first here? Sure. So I, I was doing a little bit of research on this earlier today, um, and kind of what I found was kind of what you'd mentioned in, in the intro there about how he was going back and forth. Um, and one of the reports that I read said that he, I don't know if this was true or not, it might have been more of a Buccaneers report, that their general manager at the time and owner thought that they had Parcells signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the day before he was supposed to be announced, he turned, he withdrew his, um, his, himself for candidacy and, and said he wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in terms of that, I guess um, if he gets hired with the Packers here, obviously that means no home grin. Um, but but we still have Ron Wolf. That's the thing that kind of throws me is you kind of wonder who 
you know, what players we still get and don't get. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we have Wolf and not Holmgren, um, if we have Bill Parcells, um, so I the one that stuck stuck out in my mind was maybe Reggie White doesn't come here. I know there's that big backstory about how Holmgren called Reggie's house and said that it was God calling and that he needed <laughs> to go to the Packers. Yeah. I kind of feel like it maybe it had a little bit more to do with the money than that phone call personally, but mm-hmm. um, so in terms of personnel, I don't know. Do you, do you really think we're that different, and are their coaching styles that different that it would have made that much of an impact, do you think, if we had uh, Parcells instead of Holmgren? Well, the, the big one for me is I think regardless of who the head coach is, Ron Wolf is bringing Brett Favre in. Right. And the thing is, I guess, how do you – think Brett Favre would fare with Bill Parcells, and and that's the one that's really tough, because when you think of Bill Parcells, you think of Phil Simms, you think of any Testaverde, uh, but the fact of the matter is, Drew Bledsoe was pretty prolific under uh, Bill Parcells. Uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league when Bill Parcells was there, and they threw it a ton. They threw it, as a matter of fact, they threw it more than the Packers did. Uh, a couple of those times, they went to the playoffs with Parcells there, and in 94, they, they threw the ball more than anybody in football. Would he have been as patient with Brett Favre as Mike Holmgren was, is the big question. And he was definitely patient with Drew Bledsoe, but they had nobody else there. If you look at this with the Packers, if they could have settled things, especially with Parcells coming in as a proven guy, they had Mike Tomczak on the roster. Maybe he doesn't hold out. You have Don Mikowski, who was a few votes from being the 89 NFL MVP. Uh, You have uh, Ty Detmer on the roster, which... He was a, a good college player. You you almost wonder if Bill Parcells is there, if Brett Favre doesn't have his Iron Man streak because he's getting benched, you know, after he stinks it up against the Giants in '92, or he stinks it up against the Vikings in '93, uh, and they try somebody else. Yeah, it, I guess it's possible. I I I just keep thinking about the Drew Bledsoe situation, and I know he didn't really have anybody behind him then, but. But he stuck with him. He was a young quarterback. When did Parcells take over New England? 94, 95? 93. 93. So he was there for all of Bledsoe's career. I believe he was drafted in 93, yep, he right? Picked, uh, and, and that might be another thing. As opposed to tra- trading for some guy, one of your two first-round draft choices, you trade for Brett Favre, um, you, you get uh, Drew Bledsoe. I mean, I mean, Brett Favre is kind of a – it's not as the investment that Drew Bledsoe was. Yeah, I, I can see that. I I just think that if he would have went to the guys behind him, you're right, maybe Brett's streak isn't there, Maybe, but it's still probably long. Maybe it got busted up a little in the beginning. But the guys you mentioned, Mike Tomczak, Ty Detmer, even Mikowski, uh, I don't know. I just don't see any of those guys. If, if Even if Favre gets benched maybe a game or two, really consistently beating out Brett. And, mm-hmm. and Mikowski did, even with Holmgren, he, he was the starter until he got hurt. Yeah, and yeah, that's they true. They couldn't really do anything about it <laughs> once Brett came in and was playing great, and I guess everybody probably had had a little bit enough of Mikowski at that point, too. I guess, now that I think of it, I think maybe Favre and his relationship would have been a little rocky. Uh, not that Holmgren was, you know, Tony Dungy or anything when he was dealing with Brett Favre, either. you got to think maybe that if he would stick with Quincy Carter... He certainly got to stick with Brett Favre, right? I mean, I know we're not supposed to go that far into the future, but if we're trying mm-hmm. to analyze the man, Bill Parcells, that's certainly relevant information. Yeah, and you know, who knows? Maybe Brett doesn't go through. I know Holmgren was is pretty hard on the players too, but maybe Brett doesn't go through some of the problems he had, you know, with some of the off the field stuff too. If he's under, you know, a, basically a dictator in Parcells, maybe mm-hmm. that kind of stuff works out different. I guess in terms of 
their coaching styles. I think knowing he has Brett Favre, just like he knew he had Drew Blood, so I think he kind of adapts and does more of a passing style than we saw with New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know how much of a difference this really makes. I think I think him Did and Holmgren, win the Super Bowl. I think so, and maybe you know if the the personnel's the same, maybe you know I I'm I think Parcells is pretty good. I I'm a huge fan of Holmgren, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't think. They're that different, I guess, in terms of how the offense was run. I think their defenses both would have been, you know, stout either way. I, so they swap possibly coming in in 92, and then, you know, how Parcells is. I think he left New England, what, the year after the Super Bowl? Uh, he left the year, he left right after the Super Bowl. Right after the Super Bowl. So maybe we, we lose him after 96, and, you know, our coaching carousel down the road is different just because he likes to kind of swap around a little more. But, I mean, Holmgren left after 98 anyways. So... Maybe just those two years makes a difference. Maybe we have somebody different now in the future. But I think in terms of that team, the 96 team, and what happened before that, I guess I don't think too much would have changed. See, that's the thing I guess I don't really agree with you on, is Bill Parcells, after he left the Giants, obviously he was with New York for eight seasons. He never went anywhere that long again. He was only in New England for four years. I am wondering that if he has the resolve and the commitment to stay with the team through 96. Because uh, think of Holmgren. Holmgren's start, I mean, comparatively, uh, it was a very, very good start for Holmgren compared to all the other guys that they had since Vince Lombardi. But it was 9-7, and 9-7, and seven, enormous expectations in 94, and then they have to go on a three-game run at the end of the season to go 9-7 and seven again. Uh, so I almost wonder what happens to Parcells. That's the kind of the thing that scares me is does he want to stick around after three nine and sevens in a row or after three nine and sevens and then doing what he did with the Jets, losing a nail-biter to the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game in 95 and saying, okay, yep, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's it's hard to ju- judge. You know, Parcells, you're right. He likes to, has been known to kind of jump around a little bit and not really stick things through. But I, I would think just with three nine and seven seasons, if they do go the same, I think he probably at least toughs it out through ninety five, and after that good season, maybe sticks around again with everybody coming back and being Super Bowl favorites. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I think he stays around at least till after the Super Bowl win, and maybe if he gets a Super Bowl win, maybe he doesn't come back, mm-hmm. you know, right away with somebody else, and maybe he probably would have come back eventually, knowing him. But I guess the other thing we could talk about real quick here too is Mike Holmgren and what that means as far as the landscape of the NFL. Uh, real quick from what I saw, uh, Holmgren was also Tampa's first choice if they couldn't get Parcells. He had interviewed with Tampa, Indianapolis, who went on to hire Ted Marchabroda, the Rams, who hired Chuck Knox. Uh, he interviewed with Pittsburgh, but was considered a long shot to get that job. Of course, they hired Bill Cowher, and the Vikings had requested an interview, but he canceled it. So he likely would have went to one of those teams, you want to speculate on what happens if one of those teams is better? I guess I would just maybe speculate that he goes to Tampa. It just seemed like that was the other hot job at the time, I guess, with Parcells debating between Green Bay and Tampa. So mm-hmm. if he goes to Tampa, he's not making front office moves. He's not getting hired as a GM. Probably has pretty much the same roster that they had with Dungy. Um, and that's kind of when they started getting better. What, 96, 97, they started getting a little bit better. Yeah, but they were still pretty rotten with uh, Sam Weish in uh, 92 through 95. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't stick that, you know, maybe he gets fired after a few years after, you know, not a, 
I, I think he's a better coach than Sam Weish. I don't know. Maybe it changes their record by a couple games, a couple of those seasons, and and who knows how long he stays around there. But I don't think anything drastically changes. I don't think they make the Super Bowl back then with Trent Dilfer at the helm or anything like that. Yeah, I, I don't think that is much, but I think they're better. I think they might have been a playoff contender because you got to think here. Granted, the Packers were. The Packers were underachievers, I would say, under Infante, because they certainly had talent. They had a top, they actually, in 1991, they had the 10th best defense in the league in terms of yards. Uh, they had uh, some other uh, defensive statistics that really stood out during that Lindy Infante era. They had, you know, they had Sterling Sharp. Uh, they had some other guys. They had uh, Tony Bennett. They had Leroy Butler. They had some guys on the team that could play, uh, maybe a little more than Tampa Bay, but you remember, as far as the it's it's harder to think of that now because we think of crummy Tampa Bay and then the, the 90s Packers, you know, one of the definitive teams of the decade. The starting point it, it, after the 91 season was pretty similar uh, as far as what Tampa and the Packers had done in the previous decade. So I, I wouldn't rule out the fact that he could have revived that team. I, I He did a lot of great things with the Packers, but when it was all said and done, you know, they only won one Super Bowl, they went back to another. I don't know if he does that with Tampa, but to think that he couldn't have been as successful as Dennis Green's Vikings, I I definitely wouldn't have ruled out that. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with you there. Maybe make a couple games different a season, but yeah, I I don't even necessarily know if I see him as a playoff contender like you. I, I just don't think those Tampa teams were talented enough. That's when they started drafting guys like Warren Sapp and, mm-hmm. and Derek Brooks, but uh, from the time frame, he probably would have been there. I don't know if it would have been too much of a difference. Okay, well, uh, I think the one thing we can agree on that we could etch in stone about this one is that if Parcells would have been hired by the Packers, Dave Meggett would have been a Packer. <laughs> All right, so that wraps it up for another edition of What If, and I think that wraps it up for another edition of Green and Gold Forever. We're getting ever closer to the 2012 NFL season. Training camp is just around the corner. Uh, Fantasy football leagues are going to be starting up real quickly here, and we'll have tons of things to talk to you about. But if there's something we have talked about that you'd like to comment on or a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. Uh, you can go to YouTube, which is the same, Green Gold Forever, where you can get segments from past shows, as well as some YouTube exclusive segments coming up pretty soon. And you can go to our Facebook page, which is Green and Gold Forever Podcast. So thanks for joining us today, everyone, and hopefully we'll talk to you again real soon. Take care, everyone.